Praise the Lord. Everybody's awake? Okay. Well, if you're not, you will be. No, I'm not. Because I got more energy because I missed you guys last week. I didn't get to preach. I was out trying to find people to preach to. I was like, hey, we'll do this. I just um, want to say that we did miss Salem first. And um, I heard Caleb did an awesome job, did he? Which I was trusting the Lord for him because that guy's going places in the Lord, isn't he? He's got the right heart, right spirit, and he's an elder in the church. So we're thankful for that. I do have a couple announcements. One I have is um, um, I'm not going to do it for everybody's birthday, but since she is my granddaughter and she just turned 20, Erica, will you stand up and so we can say happy birthday to you? I'm very proud of that young lady. She uh, uh, goes to Central Washington University. She was a part of a track team, and they broke two records last year, school records um, in some relays. And, and plus, she's living for the Lord. Come on now. And so I've known her since she was this big. No, yeah, I don't know, but been a while, so proud of her. Um, also, I'd like to make a couple announcements. One about the prayer summit that's coming um, Saturday, this coming Saturday on the 9th, and it'll be from um, 6 to 7. Now, it's, we're inviting people from all over the conference, but I, I pray and I hope that um, Salem First will be the greatest crowd here, that you don't be like, oh, that's for somebody else, because really it's about prayer, and it's something that's supposed to inspire us. I know Brian Worth is an awesome man of God. I've seen some of his tapes, actually, um, the, the superintendent's the one who recommended him to come. He's not only going to be here for the, the summit, but he'll be speaking next Sunday uh, with us, too. So it's just an honor to have him come. He has the fastest-growing free Methodist church in America, and he's a young man. So evidently, he's doing something right, and I believe that prayer could be part of the reason why he's so successful. So let's come and do that. Then also, um, us... Salem First, we're going to start at the last Wednesday of every month. We're going to have a congregational prayer here in the sanctuary from 6 to 7. Because I know some of you say, I can't get up that early at 6 in the morning. So we're making provision for you. So that will take away that excuse. We can rush that off the board because you ain't getting up early. And actually, if you come a half an hour early, we will have soup. And maybe a little bit of sandwiches before you if you have to come straight from work to come. We're going to pray as a congregation. We're going to believe God for that. We had a great um, staff meeting last week for planning for the new year. And one thing we're planning is um, in the beginning of next year, we're going to do a Daniel fast as a congregation. Daniel fast? What's that? It's where you kind of push the plate and you don't eat as much. And you pray a lot. And we're going to have teaching on that. It'll be teaching for, on Wednesdays, and then we'll do it together as a congregation. We're going to see God move in a powerful way when you pray and fast because uh, the Lord is with us. And I'm, and I'm hoping that this, um, this summit will inspire us even more to our personal prayer lives and our congregational prayer lives. And then guess what else is coming up? Steak night. Steak night. Go ahead, men. You can clap for that. 
We'll put some extra season on it for the good clap. But um, it's going to be um, from 6 to 8, and it starts the 12th of September. And uh, what we'll have is a sign-up list next week, so we want to make sure that everybody gets a stake because, you know, if we only order like 20 and there's 25 there, you know, I don't know if I'm going to split mine in half, you know. There might be a bone in the middle, so I can't cut it, so I'm sorry. But, um, but we want to know how many people are going to be there and, and how we're going to do that, so that's pretty cool. And then not only are, is the men's ministry um, going to be starting off with the steak night, but um, once a month they're going to have a Bible study where you're going to have your own book, a Bible study guide, and we're going to do a Bible study together so us men can fellowship, connect with each other, hold each other accountable, and just grow in the Lord. Does that sound like a good idea? Come on. Wives, you better be clapping hard going, <laughs> like get the, you know, pop those things and everything because it's cool. So um, today I do want to um, continue on atmosphere. I'm talking about atmosphere according to Luke chapter 15. You could go to Luke chapter 15, but I just wanted to say a little bit about atmosphere again. Um, we're trying to create an atmosphere in Salem first, and not that it isn't already there, but we want to enhance every part that God wants us to be so we can be a place where people can come and be blessed, and people could feel free and not worry about confessing their faults one to another, not worry about us judging them, not worried about us condemning them, but a place like a refuge place where people could come off the street or people could come from families from afar off, and they'll be able to come back and be with us and do that. And, and the reason why we're, trying, we're using Luke chapter 15 is because in the beginning of that chapter, what happens is that Jesus is sitting with sinners and eating with them. Ooh, that's bad, isn't it? Eating with the sinner? No, it isn't. It's good. Because Jesus loves everybody, doesn't he? And so he was eating with the sinners, and what happened is the religious people, they looked at him and they said, this dude is not, he's not, and one, one translation says, he's eating with notorious sinners. People that are bad sinners. And so, uh, but, uh, so Jesus is, they're looking at that, and, and I was thinking, you know, what, what a blessing that sinners would come to Jesus. Now, some people say, you know, if I speak the truth, sinners don't want to be around me. It's the atmosphere or the attitude, how we talk about things of God, whether we're talking down, condescending, or we're walking with them and being a, a blessing to them or walking by their side. And we talked about in the first parable with the shepherd, he went and found the sheep, he left the 99, he put them on his shoulder instead of, you know, talking bad about them and slapping them with the cane and saying, where you been, sheep? But instead he put them on the shoulder and he walked them through, get them back to the fold, and then be able to help them be successful life. And don't, don't we want to do that? Don't we want to walk people through their hard times? Don't we want to get them to a place where they can be back strong with God so they can fall in with the body of Christ? That's, I hope that's what we want to do, right? Yeah, we do. Okay, so the atmosphere, Jesus had a climate and an atmosphere. And I'm going to talk, say some synonyms for um, atmosphere because it's not the cosmos, it's the environment here. Not only here, but here here, even the building around us is, is a place where we could set the mood. And here's some of the, um, some of the synonyms for atmosphere. It's abundance, the climate, how it feels, the impression, 
the sense, the taste, the color, the feeling, the mood, the quality, the spirit, the tone, the character, the environment, the flavor, the place, the scene, the surroundings. How many know a good atmosphere is a good thing, isn't it? Has anybody been in a place where it's a bad atmosphere? Now here's, and I'm going to say this is, there's such thing as a negative atmosphere. And, and I'm going to give you an example, and I know that we've all experienced this. How many's ever been in a house where two couples are fighting? Then you come in the house and you just feel that atmosphere, don't you? Do you? Can you tell when couples aren't getting along kind of good? You can tell when it's just kind of tense and it's like, ooh, I can't wait till I get out of here because this atmosphere, the tone, the climate is not enhancing my health right now. I'm not being feeling good because I know these people are ready to be like cats. So it's not a good atmosphere. But it's the definite atmosphere where you can discern it and you can tell exactly what, what's going on. You might not know the argument. You might know, know the reason or the cause or who started it or who's going to finish it. But you know something's happening because of the atmosphere. Well, the positive atmosphere is the same way. If we have a positive atmosphere, an atmosphere of faith, an atmosphere of prayer, an atmosphere of love, when people come in, they're just going to know. They're just going to feel something. They're just going to know. They're going to feel something. It's almost tangible that, hey, I'm in the right place. I feel good at this place. I know that something's happening here. I feel love of God. It's the same strength, but in a positive way. Is that what we want? That's why we have worship. We have worship. We set the atmosphere. We set the tone before we go to hear the word of God. Because we just don't, because a lot of us had a hard week, didn't we? I don't know if you did, but I mean, I, I, my, mine wasn't that hard. I was in San Diego, sorry. You know, my, my wife had a 40-year uh, reunion, and I said, I will make the sacrifice and come with you. I will bear the knowledge of seeing these palm trees in this 80-degree weather and those, that nice, beautiful sand beach and all the views. I will make a sacrifice because that is my dear wife. So I didn't have a bad week. I had a fantastic week. But some of you might have had a bad week. And so when you come here, when you come into the place of the house of God, you want to be able to um, hear the word of God, to hear, to worship. And that's why I encourage you, as, as you worship, worship the Lord. It's not about looking at everybody else and, and trying to figure out who's singing this and, man, she ain't singing on kill, whatever. It doesn't matter. You know, I, I'm very biblical when it comes to singing. The Bible says make a joyful noise. And I'm good at that. I don't know how to sing in harmony and all that. I came from a church that they sang like angels. And I, what I'd do is I'd be a little lower than and it seemed like I was doing good. But if they all were quiet, they'd be like, you're out of here, bro. Like a, a chalk across the blackboard. But the atmosphere needs to be a place where we come and worship. And I also say this, this is just something that has to do with the atmosphere, but like when we do go into worship and we're all standing, don't anybody feel like they have to stand up 
If you have to sit down, your back hurt, your legs hurt, your, or you're just tired, or you just don't feel like standing, you're not under the law in this place where you've got to do everything that we all do. Just relax, worship the Lord. Come on. Is that all right? I remember one time this guy told me, unless you're in pain and you hold your hands up for about 15 minutes, God said make a sacrifice of praise so you need to hurt while you're doing it. I'm like, come on, dude. I ain't buying that one. God wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth and to enjoy the worship, and that's what we do. And we do that to help promote the atmosphere, to promote a climate so when the word of God comes, the truth, the word of truth comes. It will pierce our heart and it will soften our heart. Because sometimes, even over a week, we can harden our heart. Did you know that? Did, you didn't know that? You know, the, when the disciples did, when Jesus did miracles in front of the disciples, they were like, for sure, this is the Messiah. He is God. They get onto the boat and they go through a storm. This is a couple days later, and they're fearful, and they think they're going to die. And Jesus said, how soon did you harden your heart? Your heart, while I was doing miracles, your heart was like butter. When you take a knife, a hot knife on butter, just goes, just so nice. But now, all of a sudden, it's like frozen, and you're like, in just a short amount of time. That's why we need to have the proper attitude of praise and worship. And as we do that, we soften our heart, let God speak to our heart. You know, so it's good to come into the house of the Lord and say, Lord, will you speak to me today? Lord, will you, will you, will you, will you point your spirit, your word directly to my heart? Because I want to be a better Christian. I want to be a better person. And God does that if you pray and do it. Show my water over there. See, this lady's awesome. Look at her. Bringing that water to me. She won't do it at home. She does it in front of you, though. <laughs> She's like, get it yourself. Not really. She will. <laughs> Thank you. So Luke, chapter 15. We talked about the good, the shepherd would leave the 99. He would take time and go after that one. And you know what? He went, he, he, he looked till he found. Sometimes we have to go further than what our norm is. Because a lot of times we'll just, okay, I'll do this and I'll do that. But God wants us to go further than what we normally do when it comes to the lost. Do you know that Jesus told the disciples, he said, if the, if, the, if the Roman commands you to carry his stuff one mile, you take it and you do it like a good Christian would. You carry it a mile, and see, the Romans would take advantage of the Jews. They're like, here's my backpack, here's my sword. You carry this because I, I feel like being free, and you're going to, because you guys are lower than us, carry it. And it was almost a shame to do it. But Jesus said, carry that the one mile. And he says, when you're done with that mile, say to the Roman soldier, Let's go another mile. Said, what? Yeah, this one's on Jesus. Boom. Got the backpack on, man. This is for the Lord. This is for the grace of God because God is so merciful to me, I'm willing to go the extra mile. God wants us to go the extra mile too. Sometimes it's beyond. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's physically hard, mentally hard. Sometimes it's uh, financially hard. But God desires us to go the mile 
what we are, need to do, what is dutifully, what is responsible for us. But sometimes we got to go beyond that mile and go the extra mile. Is that all right? Amen. 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 Okay. So anyway, the shepherd goes, and when he finds this sheep, what does he do? He brings the sheep back. He finds it, and he, and he puts it on his shoulder. He comes back rejoicing. There's something about doing the kingdom work. When you win people to Christ or when you're doing the things of God, trying to help people come to Christ or come back to the fold, there's a place of joy inside your heart. The Bible says, they shall go forth. Um, it says, um, we shall come rejoicing, bring it in the sheaves, bring it in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bring it in the sheaves. Why? Because you're sowing to the loss, and when you come back, the fruit, it brings joy in your life. Many times Christians are, are sad. Is that a sad thing, Christians sad? I mean, you're trying to witness to them, but you go, <laughs> God is good. What? What's wrong? I'm just sad. And it's all right to be sad. There's times that we are sad, but guess what? God doesn't want us to be sad all the time. You know, weeping endures for the night, but guess what happens? Joy comes in the morning now. And as you do the kingdom work, as you, as you win people to Christ, as you help do the kingdom work, there's a joy inside of our heart, not only in our heart, but it says in that same scripture, it says um, why he came home, um, let me see. It said, he rejoiced, and he said, I say unto you, likewise, there will be joy in heaven over one sinner that repents over the 99 persons that needed not repent. It brings joy to the Father when we do the kingdom work and people come to Christ. And Jesus was trying to stress a point because these Pharisees, uh, what I love about this whole conversation, it was provoked because of their murmuring. And I like that. I'm glad that they murmured at that time, so now I get a clearer understanding of the vision of God. I get a clear understanding of the mission of Jesus Christ because some Pharisees were murmuring, saying, oh, they were sinners, and man, not only is with sinners, but they eat with them. Shh, don't eat with those sinners. Man, I'm going to have a cup of coffee with a sinner any day. I will eat with the sinner. I ain't going to go drinking with them, this kind of drinking. I have a glass of water, a cup of juice. What, 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 what do you always get, honey, when you, what's that thing you get in the, the drink you get? Arnold Palmer? I might have that with them. But I'm not just doing that so I could just hang out with them, but I'm doing it for a motive like Jesus was doing. He wanted to bring them to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, to bring them to the kingdom so that they can have abundant life. Because it's not willing for any to perish. And whenever you do the things of God and you do it in that way, it's going to bring joy. Now, and because of the, the, the murmuring was so strong, Jesus was provoked to give three different examples. Do you know that? That's like a school teacher saying, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drill this in. It's going to be so plain and so simple. By the end of my conversation, they're going to know the answer. And a good teacher, that's why they're teaching, so you can know the answer. Is, am I right? They don't teach you so you can be confused and trying to find out the revelation. He's teaching so he can know the answer. And the answer is this. 
that people coming to God brings great joy. So now we go to um, the, the, the parable of the lost coins. Let's look at this. And, I, you know, first of all, on the, on the, with the man of losing his sheep, he said, what man of you? In other words, if he's, he's saying, like, it's so, it's so impossible. He says, no man, basically, he's saying, no man would lose his sheep and say, I'm happy with my 99, and go ahead, we'll see you later. But every man, he said, what man of you would not go after that sheep and go after the 99? Go after the one. Leave the 99 and go after the one because that's what is rightfully yours and you know that it's the right thing to do. And now, because Jesus, in his kingdom, there's neither Greek nor Jew nor Gentile, neither man nor female. There's all is one in Christ. He speaks a parable about a lady, a young lady. And this is the parable as an example to drill in this point about what brings joy to God. He said, or what woman? He said, nobody, no woman in their right mind wouldn't do what she's saying. He said, what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one, does not light the lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? Uh, do you know that when you lose, has anybody lost anything before? Oh, good, we're all in agreement now. Okay. Anybody lost like keys? I hate losing my keys. Man, I've lost keys before, man, and it seemed like it's forever to find it. And you know, the best way to find things sometimes is what? Start cleaning. Because when things are cluttered, it's hard to find things. You start moving papers and putting things and folding clothes and going underneath this and doing all this stuff. And before you know it, bada bing, bada boom, there are the keys. You will find them. But she swept the house. She did what every good person would do when you lose the coin. Now, now this is important about this coin. Now, the woman, you know, what, to lose a coin, see, if we lose a coin, it's no big deal. But this coin is ten coins. It, what it is, it's a necklace around um, a Philistine lady. It's sort of like the same thing as a ring. When they have ten coins around them, it's being married. And so if you lose one coin, and each coin's worth a day's worth of wages, which is very important to them, you're not just going to say, well, I'll just hang out with nine, because it actually makes your covenant with your husband. It makes things different. It's, it's a reproach, and plus it's a sad thing to lose a coin. So she looks diligently. She turns everything up. She gets the light on and moves around and does things. Anybody ever pray for you to get your stuff back? I remember when I was a kid, my mom used to tell me, pray to St. Anthony, he'll help you out. And for some reason, when I prayed to St. Anthony, it seemed like it worked. I was like, dang, all right, St. Anthony, what's up? But I believe it was just God saying, yeah, prayer works. Ask me, and I'll take care of business. And so, um, so uh, we just, she, um, she turned everything over, she put the light on it, and flipped things and moved things out of the way. And do you know that that's sometimes God did, did that for us as we were coming to him? He is moving things and setting things aside because if we would have been kept going in the same exact path that we were going, we would have ended up dead, shot, or something happening to us. You never know. But God sometimes moved things and do things around. But she, she had the, um, she, she lost this, uh, coin, uh, the coin, 
and, and she did, so she looked diligently, and she did turn the light on, and she cleaned her house, and she found it. Then what happens after that? What happens? Verse 9, when she had found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. And here's Jesus again. I love when he says likewise. He said likewise about the sheep. He says likewise about this. He's stressing the point of how important it is, his kingdom work, bringing people to God. He said, likewise I say unto you, there's joy in the presence in the angels of God over one sinner that repents. You know, when people come to the Lord, God is, is rejoicing. The angels are rejoicing because it's the most important thing. It's the most important choice you could possibly make in life. Are you glad you made that choice? Do you think it was important? Because, you know, it doesn't matter how educated you are how physically built you are, how healthy you are. If you didn't make the choice for Jesus Christ, then it means nothing. And it doesn't matter what degrees we get or all the accomplished in the world, angels aren't rejoicing over that. But when one person will just take his heart and humble it before God and say, God, I believe you died on the cross. I believe you shed your blood for me. Will you come in and change my life? Then all of a sudden heaven's like, woo-wee, they're shouting. Jesus used this example. C.S. Lewis said this. He wrote this. He said, joy is a serious business of heaven. It's serious. God wants to be joyful. God desires. He said he's not willing for any to perish, but all come to repentance. It's a joy to see that. Just like when she found the coin, she was full of joy, and she had to share it. I don't know about you, but when I first got saved, I couldn't t- I could quit telling nobody. Did you, did you want to tell people once you got saved? Did you? I did. Man, I was telling everybody about Jesus. Man, my, you know what my goal was? If five minutes, in five minutes, if I didn't tell them about Jesus, dying on the cross, rising again, heaven and hell, then I felt like I didn't do my Christian duty. I know that's extravagant. It's kind of crazy. And that was a lot of zeal and maybe not so much wisdom, but now I have zeal and a little more wisdom, I hope. I'll give them 10 minutes. But we should have a plan. We should, we should be moving the furniture. We should get the light out. We should go to the highest hill, whatever it takes to win people to Christ. That's why we're going we're gonna, to um, have, you know, flyers, and we're going to start praying more. We're going to start doing things, handing out touch cards. I thank God for all touch cards. We, we have some left, but we got some more coming up. And on the, the, the next of these touch cards, on the back of it, it says this, where you get to preach to them. Not only you get to share the gathering at our church at 10 in the morning, but we also get on the back, it's going to say this, with nice, beautiful print, the same color as the front. It's going to say, God still loves the world. And it's not willing for any to perish. Is that awesome? He still loves the world. It may be nasty. It may be ugly. But guess what? He still loves the world. And it's not his will for any to perish. That's the gospel in general. And like I said, if you've got to give it to him and run, go ahead and run. But give it to him. Let him know there's hope that somebody still loves him. Somebody's still not willing for him to perish. And that it does bring great joy in heaven anytime somebody comes to Christ. Hallelujah. Listen to this in the message version. 
of um, this parable of the, the lady with the lost coin. It says this, Or imagine a woman who had ten coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and secure the house and score the house, look in every nook and every cranny until she finds it? And when she finds it, it can be assured that she will call her friends and her neighbors and say, Celebrate with me, exclamation mark, I found my lost coin. Count on it. That the, that, 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 that's the kind of party God's angels throw every time a lost soul turns to God. Having a party, Holy Ghost party, all the time. When people come to God, that was, be assured that God celebrated and the angels are celebrated because they know the one who made them is now being honored and glorified in somebody's life who didn't think about them before. That's awesome. Do you know that there was a famous leader in the church said this? He said, the church has nothing to do but to save souls. Like, Brother Andrew, man, I thought only evangelists do that. No, the church, this is what this famous leader said. The church has nothing to do but to save souls. Then he said, therefore, spend and be spent in this work. That same famous person said this. All the good you could do all the good you can by all the means you can in all the ways you can in all the places you can, at all times you can, so that all the people you can, as long as you ever, as, as long as ever you can. This famous person. Sound like getting busy with the kingdom work, don't it? Does anybody know who that famous person was? John Wesley. That's where the Free Methodist Church developed from. He's the one talking that. He said this over 100 years ago. He had a vision, he had a plan that he's going to win people. They kicked him out of his church and he preached on his dad's tomb at one time. Come on now. He traveled thousands of miles by horse just to win people's hearts. He preached over 40,000 messages. He preached till he was 86 years old. Come on. You might be saying, Brother Andrew, I'm too old. Or Pastor Andrew, I'm too old to be doing all No, 86? He's still out there preaching. Because he knew that there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one person that gives their life to the Lord. If, if he went to a town in a village, actually there was times where he said that he went to a town in a village, if people didn't throw rocks at me, he wondered if he preached good enough. Now don't be pulling your rocks at me now. Do, you can do foam ball if you want to, you can but he felt like he wasn't doing his job sometimes. But his, he was about the business of the Father. Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it's light. For the night cometh when no man can work. I'm going to be busy doing the things of God. How much more can we do for ourselves the same way? I went to a funeral this, this week. It was called a celebration of a little girl, 11 years old, who passed, died of asthma. Her name was Jade Ray Marie Miller, 11 years old. She had a, a service over at the church in Salem. 
the police force was there, the principal of the school was there. They had hundreds of people there celebrating her life and telling them about what a difference she made in people's life. Every person she came in contact, every person that talked about her said, she hugged me, she talked to me, she cared about me. She didn't care whether you were white or black, and this little young lady was an African-American young lady. She didn't care if you're white, you're black, you're old, you're poor. She hugged you. She probably gave more hugs in her 11 years of this short life than some of us have already up to this date at 11 years old. Made a difference where even the pastor could barely even perform the ceremony because knowing that this girl was so outstanding and made such a difference, her, that she had an atmosphere, a climate about her of no judging and loving where everybody fell in love with her. And my wife knows her dearly because she came to her work. She's one of her, um, her work, co-worker's daughter. And the whole co company, the whole staff, are definitely affected by her life and by her death. And she's 11 years old. If, and you know what? And when somebody was talking to her and saying, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And here's what she said she wanted to be. She says, what I want to do is I want to buy a hotel and fill it with homeless people. Not only do I want to fill it with homeless people, but I want to make sure they have medical care, education, and she named a whole list of things she wanted to do for these people. Come on now, 11 years old. I just pray that God help us to take our time and the things that we do and realize, first of all, our days are numbered. We don't, have a, we don't know how long we're going to live, but let us do the best we can with what we have. This little jade is an amazing person. And it's affected people's life. And I saw, as soon as they said she wanted to build, build a hotel, I saw in my mind that someday there's going to be a big hotel. And it's to say dedicated to Jade, the 11-year-old visionary who loved and hugged everybody. Come on now. We can, we can be the same. Because with God, God wants to use every single one of us for the kingdom of God to make a difference. Do you want to make a difference in the world? I heard one person. You want to make a difference in the world? You, you, the Bible, uh, I heard one historian said, this world has not yet seen somebody fully committed to God what they could really do in the world today. And I believe that God is looking to raise people up so that we can make a difference in the world today. Let's stand. I believe that God loves everybody. And God wants to use Salem first in a powerful way. Not that he hasn't used you. You guys have been a landmark even on this corner since 1977. You know when my wife graduated? 77. So it's been a long time. But I believe that God gave us this facility not just so we could survive and hold on to it and kind of mow our way through, but I believe that God wants to fill this place, fill those classrooms, fill that classroom, and move so mightily in this community because he loves people, because he loves souls. 
And that's what he wants to do in our lives. Amen. Now, before I I close in prayer, I do want to see if anybody here have not given their heart to the Lord or wants to recommit their life to the Lord. If you, um, by doing so, just raise your hand. Say, Brother Andrew, I want to recommit my life today to the Lord. I know that most of us are just been here for a while, seasoned saints, but I don't want to leave a service, not give an opportunity for people that might want to give their heart to the Lord. If you want to give your heart to the Lord or recommit your life to the Lord, then we could do that. You know? If not, here's what I want to say. Ask God. Say, Lord, please, my life is short. What can I do to bring joy to the kingdom of God? How can I bring joy in the presence of the angels before the kingdom of God? How can I do that? Let me do my part. It might be just a hug like Jade was given, everybody. It might just be a good word of encouragement. It might be just mowing somebody's lawn or giving them a drink of water or just giving a coat to somebody that doesn't have a coat. It might be as simple as that or it might be bigger. God might want to take you and move you to the nations and be a voice for the kingdom of God. Who knows what God wants to do in your life? But he wants to do great things in your life. So my prayer today is that, Lord, help us. Send us. Here am I. Send me. Father, I just pray right now in Jesus' name. I thank you for Salem first. I thank you for this community. I thank you for the people inside the building and outside, Lord. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, you will help us to do our part. Let us be like Jade. Make a difference. In 11 years, she made a difference, Father God. How much more with the time you have given us, Father. Make us a blessing to this community. Help us to pray. Help us to seek your face. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and go in peace.